With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Anthony had a great week of practice. You can see his natural ability in the games. It's his show now. <laughs> you know, it's time for him to go. It was his show last year, so it's his show now. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gassers, and I'm with Boomer. Well, folks, if you were uh, homeschooling and ever wanted to teach your kids what a Pyrrhic victory was, this uh, last weekend's game versus Northern Illinois would be a fine example to. <laughs> Always good for the hot take. All right. Thanks, Boomer. Rob. I mean, I don't really have much of a hot take. I had to uh, take all of oh, my uh, furry. Job, I had to take all of my furry clothing down to the dry cleaner today <laughs> after all the shit that got thrown my way from Twitter. So <laughs> that was a good if you video. Seen, if you haven't seen the video yet, Dave, what it is is Travis Hunter did a video talking about the hit and basically how he forgives the CSU player for the, for the hit. And, you know, basically, you know, he's glad the doctors were out there because um, they stopped him from playing because he wanted to go back out. But the, while he's doing the video, it looks like he's in like a five-year-old girl's bedroom with like <laughs> uh, giraffe pajamas on with like a hood over it's, his thing. It's true. <laughs> so I was home alone this morning and had a couple cups of coffee and I put on my tortilla blanket that has a hood and like some unicorn headphones because he was wearing headphones i put on some like unicorn headphones. longest hot daughters. ever yes <laughs> it is i'm sorry and anyway i made a video and i posted it on twitter today and i'm sure you can find it later if you want to dave <laughs> okay well i have that to look forward to i think um <laughs> it's on x actually right rob twitter oh i'm sorry longer? yeah i refuse to call it x we don't even know if x is gonna exist i don't even refer the point. only time i ever refer to my ex is when i talk about how i felt after the cu game and that i would rather be married to her than feel the way i felt <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right well that's that's elon musk for you um all right now least last but not least honky what do you got i i think i forgot it by this point i don't know <laughs> i don't uh, know I always say, uh, you know, what uh, Redcast Nation has grown to 27,000, and we're almost at 28,000 now. But uh, I want to give a, a special congrats out to Husk Guys. They hit 50,000 today on X by itself. They also are over 100,000 total uh, with all their their different uh, uh, sites that they have. So uh, congratulations to Husk Guys. They're, they're very good dudes, and uh, they just sent me a bunch of pipeline jerky stuff. We have a pipeline jerky uh, logo now on the Redcast mic, and so... Uh, nice. very good guys over there, Dave and Dave and the group. Excellent. Very cool. Well, you know, uh, Redcast Nation knows that we like to do these shows after victories. We don't yes. get to do it that often, it feels like, but Honkies likes to do shows after victories so often. I think this is his third day in a row of doing the show. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be kind of a new thing. We, we kind of got our schedule figured out. It takes a couple of weeks sometimes for us, but I've been tending to try to do a thing on Sundays 
day morning after the game. I've just done it by myself here, and it's like my four or five takes. And then Mac has been getting really interested in doing these math rules, and we've been doing them on Monday nights. So we're going to do those at 9 o'clock on Monday nights. And then this works out for everyone here on Tuesday nights at 8.30. So I think this is going to be kind of the regular schedule for at least the, the season. And uh, so you'll be getting hit up with a bunch of Redcast stuff here, Redcasters. Awesome. Awesome. Illinois week's going to throw you all off kilter, though. The Friday night that, game. W- that probably will. <laughs> we'll do a rapid right, reaction yeah. after the win. So it's all That's right. That's right. Well, Honky, it was a much more enjoyable uh, Saturday evening uh, with a 35 to 11 victory over the Huskies of Northern Illinois in a game where uh, the defense completely dominated and the offense looked a little bit be- better under the direction of Henrik Harburg. Um, and we'll get into breaking down the offense and defense a little bit. But uh, let's start with some tweets of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, the big news that came out of out of uh, this week, there are two things, the quarterback and the running backs. And so you're going to see that uh, hit hard here on the tweets of the week. Uh, we'll start on the first page here, and let's talk about it as a group. But uh, a post that we had and then one from Johnny GBR. We had quarterback controversy, question mark, nah. Uh, we love it when Harbaugh, we love what Harbaugh did tonight. We also know that we'll most likely need both him and Sims to win games this year. Uh, here's the good news. It feels like we might just have two quarterbacks who can win games now. Just keep improving and take care of the football. And Johnny GBR said, kind of feels like we're already drawing battle lines between Harburg and Sims. The reality is both need development and neither should be crowned or written off. We're three games in. We already needed both. That's not going away, especially given rules, offensive philosophy. So, uh, Thought maybe we just chat about that a little bit, uh, but Dave, I mean, quarterback wise, what did you think coming out of uh, the first week or this third week, first week of Harbor? Yeah, it kind of feels like week one though, right? The first two were just kind of like, you know, um, no, both of those tweets were from Sunday, which is interesting, mm-hmm. right? In the sense that you mm-hmm. guys are kind of addressing that QB controversy as probably the topic du jour, you know, um, but it quickly kind of faded into the background after Monday's. Matt Rule press conference because of the next tweets probably was with the running back. But I just think you can't have those conversations separate, right? Because this conversation of mm-hmm. Sims and, and Harburg and and who needs to start or who doesn't start is it does change a little bit when I think we, we pretty have a pretty clear understanding that they're gonna have to run this quarterback, whoever is out there, um, as much as they are right now almost, um, mm-hmm. to continue to generate some big plays, right? I do think you're gonna to find other ways to get explosive plays and to and not just hand the ball off to Anthony Grant the entire time. But reality is, is I, I think I heard on uh, the radio today, unsportsmanlike conduct did the numbers. We're averaging 17 quarterback carries uh, a game right now, which is just behind the Jamal Lord era, you know, counts, right? So we're pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it doesn't look like it's probably going to go down that much. Um, we also heard um from Satterfield today that we need to throw the ball more <laughs> um which which I don't necessarily disagree with I think is really more we just need to run more plays right hockey I mean like I was mm-hmm. doing the math we were only averaging 62 or three plays a game right now and I think we just need more offensive snaps yeah I you know here's uh one of the tweets is from Jim in Minnesota and it hits exactly on what you were just saying there Dave that this is from coach rule he said we are option zone option team like we're gonna do that uh, run the QB. It's part of the offense. So I don't care who the leading rusher is. We're going to run all those guys. 
Uh, and Jim said, I think this is the first time I've heard rule identify what we're trying to do on offense. And I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past that this may not be the type of offense that we run in year two or year three. We may not always be so quarterback centric, but yeah. at least in year one here, they made a point when they brought Sims in to begin with, they made a point that that's what they want to do. And your other point that you made there, Satterfield today, uh, this just goes back to, I think a lot of people are real quick to just write Sims off. And Satterfield made a point here. He said that Justin Sims was more active at practice today than at any point since he got hurt at Colorado. Sims took 50 to 55% of the reps today at practice, according to Satterfield. Uh, I, I guess I'll go to Boomer here for a second. I mean, does that does that bother you? Are you, are you okay with Sims getting 50, 55% of them? Were you thinking that he was his season was over, or were you expecting him to, to get right back into it? Uh, well, I, I imagine they were at least going to get him right back into it, give him another shot at it. If only because if, if they, if he's still their number one guy, and I think he was going into the season and it's hard to say he shouldn't be only after two games that if he's going to come back, you don't want to have him come back against Michigan to be his comeback game. So I think Mm -hmm. he would try to get him ready here for Louisiana tech just to at least get him even just part of the game, you know, just back to the rhythm, see if he can hold on to the ball, you know, see how healthy his ankle is. And see what he can do. So I, I guess from that perspective, if they if you do plan to go with Sims long term, or at least in the medium term here, yeah, it does make sense trying to get him back for this week. So, and Dave, I looked it up while you were uh, in regards to your question. Uh, Nebraska is averaging sixty four point three offensive plays per game. That's uh, ranked one hundred and third in college football right now. So yeah, they really aren't getting a whole lot of whole lot of offensive plays. It ties them with uh, the likes of Eastern Carolina and just slightly above Rice. So yeah. And statistically, there, like uh, to Satterfield's point, I think he said we're only averaging 21 and a half attempts a game, which actually Harbor threw 24. So that's more about what I kind of expected, about 25 or so a game. But that's only above the service academies. Like everybody else in the country is throwing more, but we're just not running that many plays either. Right. So it's mm-hmm. a combination, I think, of of things here that's it's causing some of these these comments. Right. We just need a more efficient offense that stays out in the field longer and uh, converts, um, you know, yards into points. Mm-hmm. Well, you know me, I'm a, I'm a run the damn ball guy. And I don't, I don't want to get back into too many Danny Langsdorf moments of where we need balance. I, I don't necessarily hey, believe hey, that. Yo. Yeah. Let me just, I, Boomer kind of mentioned that scenario and this is some one way I've been thinking about it. Maybe Rob, you can comment on this too, but like, what's your ideal scenario on how this quarterback situation plays out? In the sense of like, it, it you know, Sims has two data points, and they're on the road versus Power Five teams in hostile environments. Some people are saying the Colorado environment was the most hostile they've seen in in you know thirty years or whatever. I don't know if that was the case, but some people have said that. Um, and then Harburg has one data point at home against a G five team that had just lost to an FCS team and clearly didn't have a, a great offense against what seems like to me as a pretty good Nebraska defense. Um, and so the point of like, do you, if, if Sims isn't hundred percent healthy, Harburg starts again. And then where are you at with Michigan? Because then you could potentially run Sims back out there at, at Michigan and he's hundred percent healthy, but he gets Michigan, right? Which seems a little unfair. Harburg just hasn't, has a two-game data set in both versus G5s that he looks great in, and then you just run Sims back out there against the, the first power five we can find, and they happen to be the number two team in the country. Um, or you you start Sims this week, but he's not completely healthy. That's not exactly what you want to do, probably, right? 
Um, you know, maybe the ideal scenario is that, you know, Sims is healthy enough that he gets um, a fair amount of reps in, but Harburg also uh, gets several drives in early in this game and both get to play some. Um, so you have a comfortable, you know, feeling about both of them playing against Michigan and whoever uh, you kind of best man wins. But it's just, it, there's no no easy way to, to bring Sims back in here um, if he's not healthy this week, because then you're potentially bringing him back against Michigan. It just feels unfair to the guys. Well, that's a lot to process, Dave. I mean, there's um, so back to your point about the running and not getting as many plays, et cetera. One of the things with this new running clock as well is that like, yeah. And first downs is that I think we ran the ball somewhere close to 50 times in this last game, right? It was almost like 60, almost 70% of the time we ran the ball in this last game. I think something like that. I, I think we ran it, what, 46 or 48 times or something by the time the game was over. Uh, what boomer. Yeah. And, and uh, and so that being said, I mean, the clock's running the entire time that we have the ball for the most part outside of, you know, drop passes here and they're running out. So I'm not too concerned about the number of plays. I am concerned about the ball control and holding on to the ball, especially in a game like against um, Colorado and against Minnesota. I mean, you look at the stats there and the time of possession for us was about 50 50 against both those teams. So that being said, had we not turned the ball over as much, I mean, it could have easily been like 60-40 or 65-35, like in, in that mm -hmm. term. So, and and we are, and it and it's already been said, and I know I could probably find tape on it somewhere from Rule that this is a ball control offense. They're going to hold on to the ball. They're going to pound the ball. That's what they're planning to do. They have been using the fullback, um, you know. So I guess to answer your question about Sims and Harburg, um, honestly, I mean, Heinrich just looks, it was just a completely different look that this team had compared to the first two weeks. And I know because I was at both games, watched them both very closely, um, and it just felt different out there. The flow of the offense felt different. The zing on the passes were, to me, a lot more accurate. Now, there was the one turnover. Okay, fine. That was probably some jitters. But after that turnover... And after the, after the first half, the offense just came out and they found what needed to be done and it just clicked. And I feel like that offense could be run against any team in the nation at this point, because it's all about ball control and running. And, you know, when we got out there and, and we did exactly what we planned to do, um, maybe this is going to be a situation where Heinrich is the starter. Hopefully, in my opinion, hopefully Heinrich is a starter. And then if we get a good enough lead or we start wanting to bring Sims in for plays here and there and get him some confidence and, and maybe get him some yards. And that would be ideal to me. But if he's not a hundred percent, there's no reason he should be out there starting the game because Heinrich is. So Rob, just to clarify, available. you want Harburg to be the starter this week or just in this general? Week. This week, this and, week, and you know what? Let him keep going. I mean, against Michigan, it's going to okay, be a much so friendlier Harvard environment. Yeah, gotcha. I am, okay. I am Camp yeah. Harburg. I got Absolutely. you. Honky, I'll let you. Uh, you know, I, I guess uh, I think Harburg earned the, the start, uh, another start. Uh, he didn't have jitters on that hit. He got blindsided. I mean, that's what that yeah. caused that fumble. But that was at least a legit turnover after we've had so many countless. Uh, it was forced. Point, yeah, it, it was forced versus unforced. Um, you know, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see Harburg now get into some pressure situations. That's something we really didn't see. That goes back to your point, Dave, about playing at Colorado and what that environment was like, or playing even at, at uh, Minnesota and playing on national TV, Fox, you know, both times, all that, you know, adds to the pressure. Now, now we talk about data points with Sims. 
he's two here, but he's really two plus because he's had multiple seasons prior to here, and mm -hmm. he has stacked enough turnovers, you know, on top. I still, having said all that, uh, I'm I'm Harbaugh or Harburg right now with stardom this week. He deserved it from last week. I think he's he's earned it. I want to see another game out of him. But I just know that we're going to need Sims. We're going to need both of them. And even if Harburg just takes off and is an absolute stud and runs with this position and never gives it back, we still are probably going to need Sims out there. And and really one of the reasons is because of what happened this week. And with the running back situation here, and here's tweets of the week with Sean Callahan and Sam McEwen. Uh, Callahan reported yesterday running backs Gabe Irvin Jr. and Ramir Johnson. They're both out uh, for the season. They suffered injuries. Uh, Irvin had a hip and Ramir Johnson had a shoulder. And then Sam McEwen said, uh, for context, Anthony Grant accounted for 70% of in-use running back carries in 2022. So the situation, while difficult, will not be new to Grant or any of his teammates. Grant is an elite athlete. And that gets us into the running back spot. But it, it still hits on the quarterback, Dave, because – I think Sims can be a part of that running game, whether he's whether he's lining up mm -hmm. at quarterback or not. We've already seen Harburg. The first way they got him on the field this year was lined up as a receiver. Why would we think this staff would do anything different? If Harburg's quarterback, but Sims is this great athlete, I think they'll find a way to get Sims on the field too. They're going to have to get yeah, creative. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's creativity. I, I I guess I can't jump to the idea that one of those two is going to be um, lining up as a running back, I guess, but the idea of, of, I mean, just to the point of we need explosive plays at some point in this offense a little bit, right? I, I love the yep. ball control, but occasionally you just want to, you know, get a, some some chunk yardage there. Having both of them out there, sending somebody in motion, doing those type of things. We already used one trick play to score a touchdown versus Minnesota. There might be games where I think this defense is going to keep us in a lot of games. And if we get a junk touchdown again somewhere and we beat Michigan State or Maryland or whatever because of, uh, you know, a uh, a halfback toss thing where Harburg's the one running out there and then throwing out deep to Billy Kemp or whatever. I don't care. Right. Let's take a win where we can find it. And I think that's where, where that creativity is going to come into, into play a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, Wait, here's some of that. Yeah. Here's some of that creativity too, Dave is a, uh, uh, it was Billy Kemp out there. You know, if Nebraska needs Billy Kemp to run the ball, he said he's ready, whatever is needed. And we'll show when we get to the offensive segment, we have a play, actually the touchdown throw to him in the first drive where he's lined up in the backfield. So yep. it's not impossible, almost like Wandell kind of like, again, it's not that it's ideal, but it's not ideal losing your first and second string running back in the same week either. And so when you do lose people, you got to find ways to, to make it work around them. And so Sims, if he's not the starting quarterback, I also think he's too dynamic of an of a offensive talent to just keep on the sideline because Harburg is doing such a good job at quarterback and isn't giving up the spot. I mean, they've got to find a way, I think, to get Sims onto the field just from a talent perspective. And, again, it that's I'm not going out of the offense by saying that. They they showed that with Harburg the same way in week one. You know, when everyone was like, ah, Harburg, he's not going to line up at receiver and, and catch passes, caught a pass in the first game. So yeah. I think those guys are, are really dynamic talents and they they're going to try to find ways to use both at some point in some ways let, let, let me uh, throw out uh, something that i think a little red meat for you honk is in the sense of like <laughs> um it feels like this is a, a situation where you could potentially see at least a few more fullback carries just to disperse the load and not have anthony yep. grant take so many of those especially up the middle you know where we're just looking to get a couple of yards right you know take the pressure off mm -hmm. of 
him in the wear and tear and let him be the guy that is is getting the ball more in, in space. Uh, with that said, I was looking at the the backup running backs. Right now we have Emma Johnson, redshirt mm-hmm. freshman, and then uh, was it Quentin Ives? I'm not quite sure. Quentin Ives. Is. Yeah. And it's like Quentin's like he's like 6'2", 190 or something like that. Um, very young though, and we'll grow into that and add some weight, right? You know, Gabe Urban probably plays at what two fifteen or two ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at uh, Janarian Bonner as our our fullback. He's six two two twenty. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that, that sounds like a guy that could line up at tailback if you needed to, and and run up the middle for a few yards too, right? Well, you know, not like only from the fullback position, but and he's not even as big as he is, right? But I mean, I don't know why Bonner, who's clearly an athlete because he's moved around a lot already and mm-hmm. is playing a bunch of different things and can go in motion, et cetera. Um, I think you could sneak a few carries out of him. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I mean, it, from a run-pass ratio, let's just say if we're going to have 70 plays in a game, which is probably aspirational right now. We haven't really hit that number. Yeah. But if 70 was a good number, I would love it to be 45 rushes, 25 passes, let's just say on an mm-hmm. average day. So let's break that down. How do you get to 45 rushes? Let's say that Grant can be a 20 carry a guy game you know, play you know 20 carries a game well what's our quarterback's been doing you said it earlier they've averaged about 17 now some of that's been sack adjusted but let's just say they're somewhere in that 15 to 20 range now you're somewhere between 35 to 40 and you're trying to come up with about another 10 carries you've got fullbacks they've done reverses to, to hill they've done a reverse to lloyd mm-hmm. so far uh you know kemp can be lined up in the backfield you can do some things with with sims and harbaugh harburg i <laughs> got Got to get his name down. <laughs> I keep saying Harbaugh. Anyways, you can do some things where you have both of them on the field. And what you're doing is you're just you're trying to build up those numbers. And then, oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Emmett Johnson and, and Ives there. So maybe, you know, maybe Grant isn't getting 20. Maybe he's getting 15 and you're you're getting another five or six out of those backups. And Lubin was out there too this this last yep. week, the uh, walk-on from, from Wahoo. So, I mean, that's how you would build it up to 45. It's creative. It, it, we are – it's not bell cow necessarily. This is not going to be Braylon Allen or, you know, Wisconsin Monty Bell giving it 35 times to one guy, but it's a way to break it down and still probably run the style of offense. I think uh rule has said that he kind of wants to run this, this year. I think something else you have to consider which guys you rotate back there is, you know, with running backs, you're not just talking about carrying the ball. They've got to be able to block, you know, pass protect, you know, which mm-hmm. guys are capable of doing that, you know, stepping up and, and running those sorts of plays too. So that's something else the coaches have to consider and we have to think about when we talk about who we think can step up and, and play these roles. That's a great point, Boomer. Yeah. I, I was really sad to see, for a number of reasons, and we all are, I was really sad to see Irvin and, and Ramir getting injured there. But I was really sad because, like, in the second half, there were some plays where Grant and Irvin were on the field in the same backfield at the same time. And I was like, Oh, I've been wanting to see that for so long. I wanted to see it last year, you know, get two backs on the field at the same time. It just never would happen. And we're starting to find ways to get those guys out there. Now this, t- this still can happen moving forward. It can be Emmett Johnson and Irvin on the field at the same, or not Irvin, I'm sorry, Grant and Emmett Johnson. They could be on the field at the same time, but to your point, Boomer, you can't have a weak link there. One guy can't be someone that's struggling yeah, with pass block. Yeah. And, and Dave, I think you're, you're, selection of Bonner is a great one because he he's kind of been our wild card from the beginning of the season and he really mm-hmm. hasn't played that big of a role I'm, I'm shocked that we haven't seen more out of him either from crack blocking or you know lead blocking or getting the ball on a handoff or a little pass out of the backfield yeah it seems like we actually have another 
enough depth at that fullback position with Liebentritt and, and Lubin, is that right? Um, mm-hmm. to, to have Bonner be a, a running back as needed, right? You know? So, yep. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, one more with tweets of the week on football here. And this was just some of the rankings. Uh, our national ranks, we are 23rd in rushing offense right now, 209.8 yards a game. And on defense, we're fourth nationally in rushing yards or yards per rush at 1.7 yards a rush. We're third in rushing defense overall at 46.3 yards a game, which is astounding. And then we're third in sacks at 4.6 a game. Uh, I hope we can continue to build on the success we had on offense against NIU. That was from Black Shirts. Uh, I guess I'll start with you again, Dave. What are your thoughts as you see those stats? Yeah, I mean, especially on the defensive side, impressive. No no questions asked there. I mean, this defense has exceeded all of our ex- expectations from a performance, from a depth, um, from a dynamic um, – you know, you know, run stuffing ability there. Those numbers speak to that. Obviously, not as quite, quite as many turnovers as we want, but it does look r- really good. Now, obviously, it's only three games, and the competition is going to go up. But actually, that's going to be the case for pretty much every team in the country because we've already played two Power Five teams. Most haven't actually, um, and so um, I think you know I, these numbers are going to going to change over time. But I think. Hopefully we stay relatively highly ranked the rest of the year. Um, it's it's impressive. And, you know, Boomer, looking at these numbers, uh, geesh, what, 60 yards against Northern Illinois was given up on that last drive? So I can't mm-hmm. imagine what these looked like if that wasn't the, wasn't the case. Yeah, the defense certainly has, you know, like you said, Dave, exceeded expectations. I think everyone was a little concerned starting the season with the defensive line be able to hold up you know, against run games and, and what we've seen so far is yes, they have. Um, and granted, like you said earlier, Northern Illinois wasn't the most potent offense out there. I mean, they struggled with Southern Illinois, only managed 11 points against them, but yeah, that's what you want your defense to do. I mean, if they can shut people out, doesn't matter if they're good or bad, they're shutting them down. And Colorado had a dynamic offense and they were able to contain them for a decent chunk of the other game, at least for at least a half, you know, and that. and Minnesota's, you know, not the Minnesota of old, but again, you're allowing the, the rushing yardage, to be minimal. And, you know, if you can make a team one-dimensional, that's a great thing. You know, offensively, yeah, we're 23rd in rushing. You know, our passing numbers aren't great. And, you know, that kind of hurts the overall, you know, offensive statistics of the team. And that's that'll be interesting going forward, you know, if especially if Satterfield wants to see more passing, you know, we maybe we need more passing. I don't know. Or how we pass or who we throw to. We we don't seem to have that dynamic, you know, Trey Palmer-esque, you know, just Effort, throw it down the field for 50 yards mm-hmm. whenever you want to. Yeah, we don't seem to have that yet. You know, maybe we're opening something up with tight ends more. You know, we saw Fedoni get open on a really nice play for a touchdown this week. You know, an excellent scheme on that. Maybe that's what we have to go to for this. And that's a good, yeah, that's a good, that up a bit. that's a good point, Boomer. And when we get to offense, I have a couple of plays that will show in the film breakdown. We're exactly to your point without a, a Trey Palmer just someone that just can get open by himself. We have to kind of find ways to get people open and we're doing that. We're, we're starting to do that in this offense. So I think we have a couple of plays that will kind of hit on that, but uh, Rob. Hey, hey honky. Oh, sorry. I just wanted yep. to throw it to the Rob really quick. Mm-hmm. He's the Kool-Aid guy. And um, I thought, you know, with uh, some transferable properties, you could look at um, how Northern Illinois only had 11 points and barely had a hundred yards of offense against us. Um, for the majority of the game, but um, the, the Huskies 
uh, beat Boston College by scoring 27. And Boston College um, almost, almost beat Florida State. So, you know, yep. I don't know what that actually means in Kool Aid land, but it means <laughs> obviously we probably could beat the Seminoles, right? Well, and that's the other thing, too, is that, I mean, we have to also look uh, like we're talking about sharing carries and our quarterbacks and number of throws and things like that. And we also got to take into consideration our opponent this week with Louisiana Tech, right? I mean, they're giving up over 200 yards a, a week in rushing and under 200 yards uh, a week in passing right now, right? And so one of the things that our offense that we are going to obviously try to focus on is running the damn ball again, right? And if they're giving up 205 to a bunch of like, you know, lower level FBS schools like Texas Tech, you know, or I mean like Texas State, and <laughs> I think they played a couple other couple other teams that I, I I'd have to go back and look at their schedule, but nobody, nobody of the likes of Nebraska yet. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, we, we are, we are battle tested against a couple of power five teams. And then last week we came out and we really flexed against Northern Illinois. And, and I think we're going to do the same this week against Louisiana tech. And I'm not too concerned about the passing game because if we keep the passing game very similar to what we kept it last week, um, then I think the team will just be fine. I think it will be, you know, we'll, we'll run the ball. We'll control the ball. We'll control the clock. We'll probably still come out and win by 21 plus points. And, you know, I'm not too, I'm not too worried about that. Their, their defense is doesn't seem to be dominant. I mean, they've only got like, what, like, I think I saw something like 27 returning players on the Louisiana tech team. I mean, I shouldn't talk about that because Colorado had like 85 new additions to the roster, but, <laughs> but I will say this is that there's one player that I was trying to see and I was like, Oh, this will be great. The coldest Crawford, right? Like he's, he's going to be playing for Louisiana tech this weekend. Like this is going to be great. And he hasn't had a single catch the entire year. So um, yeah. yeah, but they, hey, they Boomer, do you know if um, um, Hank Bachmeyer, the transfer who got been dinged up, Last week for La Tech, is he going to play? That I haven't heard. I'll do a little digging and see. If I think that's a big. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's they're going to the try to throw the ball right? fifty times yeah. against us. And Bachmeyer is a, you know, he's Boise State, pretty serviceable, highly recruited guy. Um, mm -hmm. Probably, you know, it'd be a bigger test for our our. Um, well, it looks like his backup has had Sanders, quite a but... few. His backup has had quite a few attempts already this season too. So I don't. I, I that's a that's a great question, Dave. Actually, all right. Well, yeah. yeah, we're going to find out. Well, the final uh, tweet of the week, and we've been asked by so many different people, uh, namely um, Dave, when I was down there in Boulder, my sister and her friend, uh, Jen, they were they're, they were down there for some volleyball. And we, we don't talk a lot about volleyball on the show, mostly because we don't know much about it. But I do know that we are number two in the rankings this week. And so here's uh, the tweet of the week from uh, that our Huskers have been number two. Uh, great win last Tuesday night on ESPN, uh, the flagship network, uh, against Stanford 3-1. And then they came around yesterday and, and beat an, another ranked team, Kentucky, at home. So uh, just a, a feel-good thing right there. Great. You know, we are a women's sports uh, program. We have been the last six years for sure and uh, led by volleyball. So they're number two in the country, and they are playing lights out. Yeah, I, I think they're pretty good as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, and, and that game, you know, had one of the best rallies back and forth that I'd oh, personally yeah. ever seen. I mean, yeah. how long did that go? Well, I, I, if you haven't watched some, it, search it out on Twitter it was crazy. or video. What was it? Something like 75 seconds, seconds or something. Yeah, it was insane. Just the back and forth and the reflexes and the ability that, you know, both teams really showed in that was just 
awe-inspiring. That's kind of how we look if we, you know, knock a beer over how quick we can move. But uh, there's not yeah. a single, <laughs> there's not a single senior on that team, and the freshmen are playing like they've been out there for the last five years. It's crazy. Like, like that. There was one save that Lexi Rodriguez had where, like, it looked like. Kentucky was just going to kill it right there. Like you thought the play was over and somehow she got under it. And then right after that, like the next save on that, on, on that save really was almost just as incredible as hers, but just, wow. Like yeah. these, these women are balling. Like, I don't know how else to put it, but they are balling. It is, <laughs> it is fun to watch. That's that, it is. I, that, I mean, I'm sitting there. Breakdown right there that we're all looking for. Rob really yeah. saying that they're Well, and it's right. great, too. And I will say this. Okay, I will say this. I was watching the game on TV the other day. My, my wife and daughters were out, like, shopping at Target or something. I was watching the game on TV, and my, my daughters come home, and they said, what are you watching? I said, volleyball. They're like, why are you watching volleyball? He's like, it's fun to watch. And they both sat down, seven and four, both sat down with me and watched the entire final set. And we just sat there. And that's the longest I've ever gotten them to sit to watch anything with me that wasn't like Bluey or, you know, <laughs> or A for Adley or one of those shows. Right. So it was really cool for me. It was a cool experience because I got to sit there, watch the game without them complaining to change the channel because they were watching these, you know, women that are older than them, like play this sport where they were just kind of like, wow, that looks fun. And then they pretended like they were playing volleyball in the backyard later. And I was like, OK, this is cool. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Very that's cool. what we're that's what we're looking for. And that Dave is the tweets of the week. <laughs> All right. And now, scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. Well, I'm looking forward to the uh offensive part of the show as in in scoring explosion where we break down all things Husker offense. And uh, Honky, I think there's uh, some video clips you want to walk through with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's start with the first play of the game. And it was an option out of the I formation three wide receiver set. So it's a triple option here, basically to the left. And before we even lined up, I was sitting with my cousin in the stands and I see the formation. And when you see the three wides out of that eye, I was just like, this is an option set. I didn't think we were going to necessarily run an option, but uh but we did right out of it. And that was, but what I wanted to highlight here was the second receiver from the top is Kemp. And you see this blocking. If you're going to go back to the Ron Brown days in the nineties of, of running option football, uh, Osmond would always say, if you're going to run Pretty option, committed. you've got to have, you've got to have receivers blocking out there and you see Kemp still going. So yeah, we'll put this on loop here, but uh, really focusing on him is him blocking that guy out to the left, taking him, you know, 10 yards. And that's what Harvard cuts off and, and comes under. Um, actually, we get a little bit better block, I think, out of the fullback there, which would have been Bonner. If we get a little bit better block out of that, then even the guy that was chasing him there. Yeah, yep, so right there, the right fullback there. just yep. misses there. That's the guy that ends mm -hmm. up uh, getting the tackle there. That that play could have gone for easily another five yards or so without Harbor even getting touched there. Yeah, but yeah, he would have mm -hmm. made one move on that one guy. And he I had got a, now, I was, I got a question on that play, Honky. The the mm -hmm. the running back all the way in the back there, like, isn't he supposed to be trailing a little bit closer though on that play for the pitch, just in in the event that he pitches it, or am I like, am I yeah, just not it, seeing that right? The second that he cuts up, that Harbor cuts up. I mean, ideally, I think you'd like to see the 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 runner mirror the quarterback a little closer. I used to do drills with quarterbacks where just, I would have them do out. 
five yards apart right there. Well, this is fine. Right there, so gate needs to be turning up quicker right, right here. here. Right yeah. now is where yeah, he needs right to turn needs up because okay. Up. Okay. now so you got uh, too much separation there. And look, he, he may want to pitch right now. You know, let's say he didn't have that guy dragging Ideally, him. If he wanted to pitch yeah. and he doesn't have Ramirez there right at that at that point. So I used to do a drill with quarterbacks where I would have them zigzag and do weird, crazy zipper things around around uh, cones and stuff. And that running back had to follow him. It was on the running backs. It was their responsibility to follow the quarterback and, and maintain that proper distance. It's not on the quarterback's responsibility there. He's reading what's happening and cutting, you know, respectively. And, and the running back needs to be there. And if you went back to the best days of the option, I thought the best option, the pure option runner that we ever had was Frost because he was such a bad option runner at one point. He had to really learn it. He wasn't smooth and natural the way that Frazier was. And when he had to learn it, he got to the point where he would just pitch it and he didn't even, you know, you just assumed it. He didn't even look at where he was pitching. He just pitched it and, and Amon Green or whoever it was better be there to get it. And um, in this play here, that specific play, yeah, I think that Ramir kind of loses a little bit of that distance. But specifically, first play of the game, I just loved seeing that the aggressiveness that Kemp was showing right away. Hockey, just for, just for the fun of it, um, you could bring it up one more time because mm-hmm. – Maybe some of our listeners haven't watched as much triple option as as you or or I. But what do you think about Harburg's line here? Do you think he probably should have been a little flatter and not so deep on that, and actually been running? He, he seemed like he was a little indecisive on. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Not as direct, should have t- took a more direct route to the sideline, I guess. Yeah, so he it's this little right uh, there. These, yeah, mm-hmm. that little. That slowed him down just enough, uh, and it, this isn't a real true tri- triple option because they clearly weren't going to hand that to the yeah. fullback. So this was more of a kind of a lead option there, I guess. But um, ideally, you'd like to see him just really burn it straight right now. He kind of yeah. turns and, and then and then he that makes corner, that one cut. Yeah. So that yep. I mean, that's getting real detailed down into the that. But that's one extra step. It slows him down just a little bit, and maybe that's the difference between him being half a step a- ahead of that tackler there and if the fullback gets a little bit better block there too he's not even touching and he's starting to pick up yep. speed and he's got one yeah. guy one-on-one and if he yeah. has the trail guy right there pitch it and that trail guy could be going down the yeah. this could be a touchdown that's, down that's the mon green run along the sideline you know yep um, I'm, I'm curious though touchdown. too it, it almost looked like he saw the fullback missing that block so that's why he continued going outside it almost looked like if the fullback had had made that block no he, he shouldn't have yeah, I'm you'd just wondering. Go, yeah, so. you'd want to go out. I mean, yeah, the plays intended to go outside. That clearly where the uh, where the running backs going. But but uh, yeah, so it was great to see that as the first play. I was I was excited to see that we came out right away and ran that play number one, and and it got six, seven, eight yards there. And that's look, we'll take that. <laughs> you know, uh, a little bit further. All three of these plays that we're going to show on offense are all on the first drive, a touchdown drive. Uh, the next one here is a play action. And so here we are. We're under center yet again, second play under center. And it's the completion that's thrown across the middle to Marcus Washington. And this gets back to what Boomer, you were talking earlier about Trey Palmer, not necessarily having that one guy to that's just going to get open by himself. Now look at this zone and look at that how was on a rope too. Yeah. And look at how wide open Washington is in the middle of this zone. Now, the point here isn't that, you know, Washington's not Trey Palmer. He didn't get open because he just burned by somebody. This is opened up by the offense, by the scheme. So on this next loop, when you watch it, watch the linebackers here and watch the play action. Watch what all three of these linebacker guys 
all come up. They all bite on this. And you can see the second that they plant their foot in the ground and go, oh, crap, and start turning around. By that point, it's too late. Harburg, Harburg throws a great throw on a rope right in between them all. But, I mean, that is the offense opening up the receiver into a wide-open zone. So I was going to ask if uh, – I was going to ask if, if – if he could have sold that handoff a little bit better, but after you pointed out those linebackers, like it looks like he sold it perfectly. So, yeah. 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 And you know, and this is the first snaps of Harburg playing, you know, I mean, th these are his first drive as a starter. And so um, when you look at, this is what they were scripting. This is what they were trying to, you know, they felt that they, he could do well and they put it right away here in this first drive and it's under center, it's option. It's running the ball and then play actioning off of that run. In this case here, it's a play action right into a into the pocket, essentially. Good pocket, by the way. Um, and let's see here. I'm counting numbers there. They have seven guys in that protection. They're set, yeah, it's play action with seven guys in protection. So you're not putting your quarterback into a real perilous situation. Mm-hmm. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Love play action. Very nice. Yep. And the third play here, and this is the touchdown. And I, the first part of the focus is that we talked at the beginning about being creative. And Kemp is lined up here. Kemp catches the touchdown here. And look at the blocking downfield by Bullock, number one. So there's Bullock at the bottom leading it. So Kemp did a great job blocking on the option. Here's Bullock uh, doing a great job here. But Kemp is lined up in the backfield. So this is very Wando Robinson-like. You can find ways where they could hand the ball off to him and everything. They throw the pass out to him. He catches it. He's about three yards downfield, cuts up. Now the other block that he gets up there is from Fedoni. Now the next time that we watch the loop – you watch Fedoni here, and, and there's a danger of this could actually probably be an offensive pass interference or maybe a pick. Yeah, I was worried about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right here, since you we're actually throwing the ball. Better, yeah. Yeah, since we're throwing the ball, I don't know if this is supposed to be thrown across the line of scrimmage. I don't know if Kemp should have come more right along the line of scrimmage where you would be able to make that contact if you were if you were uh, uh, Fedoni. But if you're going downfield, you got to be real careful to make sure if you're number 24 not to be uh, hitting that guy right there. He's hitting number one. This Especially that could easily be a pick. The ball. Yep. Do you? But that block there by Bullock. He handed awesome. it off. Like it almost looks like he was looking at the running back and thought maybe he handed it off, and that's why he made the block. But I could be wrong. Like because no. he's watching, watching, watching well, right no. here. He looks, that's, and then he he almost looks like, hey, the running back has the ball. Mm, I better block true. it. You know, that's, that's an, an excellent RPO point. type scenario, though. That's an excellent point there, Rob. That could have been, and. and I think at the end of the day, it's probably on Kemp to stay at the line of scrimmage or behind because to your point there, Rob, he may have handed that ball off and, and Fedoni needs to be blocking downfield, right? So if, if that's a handoff, then then uh, Fedoni needs to be blocking that guy already. It's it's on the receiver there to make so sure that Kemp you're not down. Let me be clear on this, Honky. If Kemp would catch that behind the line of scrimmage, Fedoni's block is legal? 
Yeah, yeah. If you're behind the line of scrimmage, gotcha. you can have guys downfield making contact. Um, that's well, how you run screens. And, can't he make it up to yeah. five yards beyond the line of scrimmage, though? Is that isn't that it? Like you can still it, make it, contact five yards. All I'll say is that it gets it into close. a real, it gets into a close, hairy situation, and it seems more times than not we've had that stuff called on us. And yeah. you don't want to be going against Michigan, catch a touchdown, and have it called back because of a legal pick. We've had that. Yep. Happen yeah, they'll before. be looking at yeah, I mean, he yeah, was a like, boomer. Right at five yards when he made that hit. So, hey, I mean, hey Boomer, what do you think of Harburg's uh, sidearm delivery? Like slinging Sammy Ba out there or something, man? Yeah, it's definitely noticeable. It's a little different, and I guess if it's working, great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're six five. You can do that, but it might come back to haunt you at some point. It could. That worried lines. me a little bit too. You know, if you get a tall enough D line. You know, that could be some problems, but I guess I haven't measured the entire D-line in the Big Ten yet. But In that case, it looked you. like he threw it around the defender right there, too, though. Mm-hmm. Like, he yeah, saw he the defender coming. times he, where he really drops that army. Like, right, right here, the defender looks like he's ready to block the pass, and he drops the arm to the side and throws it around him instead. Like There you know. was a play that was coming right at us where we were sitting, and I, I don't think we completed it, but he threw it. He did the same thing. It would look like a baseball throw, like a like a sh- like a shortstop throwing it, and and he threw it around a defender. A defender was in between the receiver and him, and he got it around him. Scary as hell. I mean, it, it, he got it around, and I don't think we caught it on that play. But um, yeah, it's a different way of throwing it. I I don't know if you guys saw the video. It was the re- the quarterback for I think it's who played Baylor last week, like Long Island. The, yes, the, Long Island yeah, University, right. the, the Fighting yeah, Sharks. Yes, the quarterback. Over oh, the quarterback for Long Island had the craziest release I've ever seen. Like he, he literally threw it like Uncle Rico, just just whipped it, you know, like from his from his hip. It was crazy. You can throw it but over it, the mountains. Well, yeah. and the thing is, the thing is though, too, is that like if we're watching, okay, and and I'm not making this comparison, saying this only in that. You know, if we're watching the NFL and Patrick Mahomes makes that play, they're going to replay it a hundred times. Like, look sure. at the athleticism on this guy, like being able to drop that elbow and throw it around the defender and make the completion for the touchdown. Nope, and oh my right. God, how that's so incredible. This is why this guy's so magical, you know, and here we you're are. Right, like, you're right. Henrik Harburg, well, we're questioning I, it. And yeah, I, I get, I get what did. you guys are saying. I like, I see that happen. And I think like, wow, that's like, to me, that's like getting creative. He sees the defender in front of him. He knows that the guy's like, you know, six, four, whatever, could probably jump up and block, knock down the pass where he needs to make it. So he drops the arm and throws it around him instead of over him where he might knock it down. Right. And so for me, for me, I, I like it. That's where I, that's where I like it. It feels like he's getting somewhat creative and he made the completion. He made the touchdown. So I, I don't want to yeah. knock it. Is he going to miss some of those? Sure. But he's not going to complete every pass, even if it's over the top. So it doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, Vegas, Vegas chairs is like, it, Rob just compared Harburg <laughs> to Mahomes. And, you know, we've had these comparisons of Nebraska quarterbacks and Mahomes in the past. So we don't want to do that too often, but. I mean, like Mahomes, Mahomes. There's a few others. It's that just, can a, do it's this. just a sidearm and, pass, is what I'm comparing it to. Right? Yeah, all yeah. I'm, I'm saying though is, yeah. is that it's. I mean, in in the long history of football, sidearm passers aren't are always the most successful. That's all I'm saying, Rob. I'm statistically, you know, saying that it's not always the safest bet, right? You know, especially if you're six five and you're a drop back passer over the top, you, you're not going to get your, your balls knocked down very often. Right. But look, I mean, that's, it's, it is what it is. He completes passes. I'm fine with it. Um, it, it, I just, you know, 
it's just interesting. That's yeah. all. I'm Shore, Shorzy 69 says Harburg honestly reminds me of Eric Crouch. I hope he gets more chances. He's bigger than Eric Crouch. That's yeah, for sure. The, the one, bigger. the one comparison that Harburg and Sims have together is just the size. I mean, those guys are both six foot four, six, yeah. five, big mm-hmm. receiver or big running backs, big quarterbacks and big running quarterbacks. And uh, at 220, 225, they, uh, and they can, they can lay a, lay the wood on some guys and they've got some speed. Both of them have shown that in the first three games. I was really hoping Shorzy got argumentative there. So I could start like being like, Hey, screw you Shorzy. But I don't think anybody else here would get that joke. Like, cause I don't think any of you nope. actually watched that. No show. one got it. Rob. No, okay. no Shorzy, one got it. Shorzy gets it. And that's why his name is Shorzy 69 and I get it. And so Shorzy shout out to you. It's time to throw the bones. Let's throw the bones where we talk all things defense and um, more more um, uh, breakdowns of uh, plays here. Uh, okay, I think you want to start one with uh, your favorite player, Nash. Well, I was going to ask you actually before I did that was um, what the oops, sorry. I don't know let why it's keep on. Doing no, that. let me turn that off. I got it on loop. That's on. That's my bad. Um, I was going to ask you, Dave, you know, who is a and we already know the answer now, but who who has been as impressive as any defender on you know in these first three games? Who has really risen above what maybe your expectations were coming into the season? Above my expectation. Well, the entire defensive line essentially. And we can mm-hmm. start with Nash, but I mean literally the entire defensive line has played better than expected. Yeah. Here is you know Nash, and it's it's on a stunt, but the thing that Nash has just been so impressive from literally the, the first game uh, when Robinson was kicked out because of uh, the targeting and then didn't play in yeah. the first half of, of Colorado, Nash has just been so disruptive. He's been so difficult to block. He's been in the backfield. He's been you know able to get sacks on guys. He's taking mean, a lot of snaps too, right? Taking a lot of snaps, the conditioning of him. So here you see him as a nose tackle, and then he, he does a little stunt around the right side. And this blocker against him has no shot. And and Hutmacher just gets around the end there and just, you know, gobbles up a dude. Now, this is the first play of the game. And so this is a negative two yards. That's how Northern Illinois got off to a start. But I mean, Hutmacher just absolutely uh, dominates this play. I mean, he's still getting blocked as he's making the tackle. Now, I heard that in the pronunciation guide, it shows that he should be named Hunt Maker, and I'm like, really? Um, I, I, I'll I'll go with whatever he wants to be called by, but he could be the stunt maker here, right? Because it's a nice stunt play. <laughs> he could be the stunt maker. Now, the second play here. Oh, Dave. Is, yeah, the <laughs> second play here, uh, similar. Now, this is right after the the fumble that Harburg had when he got hit in the pocket. So talk about a quick transition defense. Defense is all of a sudden back on the field right at the five-yard line. And in the past, our defense, last five, six years, this is a touchdown. The other team comes on there right away, scores, and, and they get their seven points. But the defense held three plays and forced a field goal. That was a huge deal. And on this first play, um, what was really impressive here, as much as anything, is the players. The guy at the bottom is Makai uh, bear setting the edge. So you, you see him here. He gets two, three yards deep. There's no place for the running back to go. He has to stop and he's going to cut up. Well, problem is where he's cutting up Riley Van Poppel through freshman defensive tackle number 74, I think, or 94. I think he's 94. Um, 
he's right there. There's no place for, for the running back to cut up to. So we've got a redshirt freshman bear setting the edge, and then we've got a true freshman defensive tackle right there, no place for that running back to cut into, and it ends up being another two-yard loss. And you start thinking about like the depth that's being created. This is a big play. You know, this is first and goal on a quick change because of a turnover. They're at the five-yard line, you would expect, you know, get all your starters out there. And no, we've got freshman guys out there, but they're making plays. So we're building depth, and these guys are, are doing a great job uh, right there, right in the line of scrimmage, winning in the line of scrimmage. Nash looks like the player I wanted him to be last year, but, you know, this year, and, and it's crazy. He has, like, more tackles or something this year. Like, he's supposed to be a guy that, like, what, eats up blockers, right? And it's like he already has, like, 11 tackles for loss this year or some crazy stat like that. He had seven total last year. So, I mean, through three games, he's he's already got 11 tackles for loss, I think it is, is, is the stat that I saw mm-hmm. the other day. And it's just like – you know, just that entire line moving, you watching all those guys stick to their assignments at the beginning of the play. Then they see the, you know, the running back break into the left. So you can see all the linebackers drifting over and they're right there on that tackle too. the gang tackling that entire team is doing right there. Like that's something we weren't seeing over the last five or six years, right? Like you, you'd see one or two guys there. The first guy would miss the tackle. The second guy would trip him up and there'd be like a two or three yard gain maybe, right? Or a touchdown, like you said. But like mm-hmm. this just this just looks different. It's like the whole defense just swarming to the ball after sticking to their assignments there. Like you can see it on the left-hand side of our line, watching the linebackers move up into that into that area on the on the left hand side of the line while the while their line is trying to push us one way we're actually controlling the line of scrimmage there moving them all back a yard or two right right mm-hmm. here like you can just see them all moving back you see the linebacker coming over you see them all covered on the wide receivers and then all of a sudden you just the see form. the rest of these guys just yeah just god the swarm there's four yeah. guys on the ball one two three four five guys on the ball but two more right there on the back getting pushed <laughs> in the back by i mean it's like when's the last time we saw nebraska play well that's the thing like setting that? like, setting the edge does you no good week too yeah setting the edge does you no good if there's no one there to fill if you're just setting the edge and the guy cuts up and has a wide open lane for five yards and it's a touchdown what you know but there's no place for him to cut up here and no one's getting you know blo- you know pushed off the block there that's impressive the players that are out there again we're talking some young dudes getting out there too. Uh, that's as much as anything. I, I'm just so impressed with what Tony White has done in a short period of time to get these guys to play like a, a full unit when they're going through 20, 22 di- different guys, I think in the first quarter alone. Very impressive. The snaps some of these guys are getting are, is crazy, right? Yeah, it's yeah. really impressive. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to actually, to go off of that, I'm going to switch around the, the next uh, graphic or the next video. I'll go with the fourth one. And this is just to go off of um, – the, the number of players, this is the sack that Jamari Butler had. And the reason I wanted to highlight this was because, again, this is a third and short. It, early in the game, it's seven to three. These are important moments. You know, you want to have yeah. your best players out there, right? You want to have your starters. Shoestring tackle the, right there. The defensive line right now on this play on a third and short is Jamari Butler on the right, Raquan Buckley at nose tackle, and on the left is Princewell. That's a true freshman. It's a redshirt sophomore. And that's a red, I think another red shirt sophomore, none of them starting. And that's your defensive line on third and third and four there when the game is seven to three at the end of the first quarter. And we get a sack out of it. It, And the guy rushing in the bottom there, the Jack is uh, Makai uh, Bear. So there's a red shirt freshman. My favorite favorite part is watching that. huge. 
my favorite part, number four, I can't, I can't tell who that is, but watching number four, okay. kind of watch the play, yeah. see the quarterback drop back and then like kind of make the break kind of like, Oh, you want to run? No, that's not going to happen. Like you see him right here, come over the, come over mm-hmm. the first down right here. He kind of he stops for a second. And then you just see him kind of taking the lane away right there. And it almost like allowed like for the sack. Yeah. And it almost allowed for the sack there because by the time that he, the quarterback realized that he wasn't gonna be able to take that lane right there and break away, the offensive lineman had already lost that battle and, and that was over. Right. Like you can see him mm-hmm. right here, like right here, the lineman lineman loses right there. Lineman lost him and he can't hold him. You know what I mean? He It's either yeah. a hold or a sack. So it's like 10 yards or five yards. You take your, pick. I want, I want to see the alignment here on the next loop. I mean, we're a three, three, five, but I, I'm counting five guys right there on the line yeah. scrimmage at the beginning. And the tight end is getting hit, is getting held up by the uh, the top uh, outside backer there, almost picked and by then, the up. and then and then <laughs> Reimer Reimer looks like I think Reimer is spying the quarterback on this the way it looks. Yeah, he comes yeah. up and wasn't going to allow the quarterback to to uh, run up to the left. There's a little bit of a, a gap, a little bit of a hole right, that the, right the there, quarterback right could there, run right there. If he wanted to run, yeah. he could run, but Reimer was there to get him. Now Butler breaks off that that block. He starts to go to make the tackle. If he doesn't make the tackle, Reimer is certainly chasing. But also, uh, I'm not sure Butler who the other guy was. If that was Borders or whoever, not Might Borders. Borders, yeah, Sherman. yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it just illustrates what the defense is doing, which is, um, you know, well, and they and they use the back judges. They use the back judge for a pick too on that one too, because <laughs> yeah, even if they had thrown to the tight end, the back judge was going to get taken out on that one. So yeah. that was a really good containment by the back judge as well. Yeah. <laughs> the last play I want to highlight here is one where Gifford comes up and makes the tackle on the quarterback and just darts through here and gets it. Now, first off, let's just look at alignment. So the last play That's we talked tough. about how there was five guys on the line of scrimmage. Let's look at where where the alignment is at the beginning of this. They have five guys up, and then there's two linebackers, essentially. Gifford, our rover, is one of those two backers. Boom. And he just darts in there, and he gets them from behind. Now, what I like about this play and what I highlighted on, on Twitter about it was that this is – think Michigan for a second. This is seven-on-seven seven inside the box football. They have six blockers there along the line, plus they have a running back. So they have – what should be seven blockers with the quarterback being the runner. So let me look at that one more time. Yes, they have, they have the five linemen. They have the sixth, uh, they have like a tight end and then they have the running back. So they should have seven blockers against what we would have as seven players as well. So let's loop it and let's see what our defense is. We have five guys on the line, two backers. They're going to run it with the quarterback if that running back can get to Gifford and lead block on him, they should at least have a hat for a hat on the ball. But the the running back ends up getting nobody, and Gifford just just shoots up. I mean, well, look how fast he came. This is the thing that caught my eye when I was watching it live is how fast he darted through there. That running back didn't have a chance, and it's a sure tackle. That's well, the other thing that, that this defense has been doing. They don't miss tackles. The patience there too, though. Also, I mean, okay, yeah, it, this is obviously slow motion, but I like the slow motion because you can see he pauses right here, pauses, and then boom, sees that the quarterback's going to keep it and makes that break right where you said the mm-hmm. running back had no chance. It's because the running back didn't even think he was going to make that break, but he stood there, he watched, he saw the quarterback keep it, and that's and then he took the direct line there, right? So even if the running back had tried to make the block, right? The running back realizes, oh God, that's my guy. He would have never made it there in the first place to get there because he he's thinking he was going to be blocking somebody completely different. And then 
you know, he, he makes that break in right, right here, the right here at the, at the yard line to gain, right. He kind of pauses for a second and then realizes it and makes that break in right there. And it's mm. great because that patience, instead of over committing and maybe running in thinking that maybe the linebacker was going to have the ball, he waits, sees that the quarterback's going to keep it. And then at that point, you know, makes the tackle, mm. which is beautiful tackle, by the way. And that, there's uh Vegas Jeter said, this is the play that uh, Leonard got rolled up on. Yeah, geez, he did. One right more there. loop of this. Watch the corner on top, our cornerback on the top of the screen right there on the 50. You know, I don't know if he makes this stop for a first down if, if Gifford doesn't get him, but that corner's coming right up too. I mean, that running that quarterback, despite the number game that they had in the box there, that quarterback didn't have a chance. No. Not with that not corner it. coming up and not with the way that, that Gifford did. So those are just a couple of different examples. Defensively, we, we played a number of different people. We played some young guys. These were meaningful snaps, third and shorts, and, and right after a, a quick turnaround on a on a turnover down in the, the red zone. And the tackling is sound. Uh, the, the, the guys are setting the edge. The guys are filling gaps. I mean, it's just really impressive to watch through three games. And so, you know, I don't ever want to look past an opponent. We're not good enough to do that. We need to beat Louisiana Tech. But after Louisiana Tech, I'm telling you, I, I am so jazzed to do this show next week and have Michigan coming into town because we need I, – I feel like with our defense, we need to play Michigan. We This is an opportunity. This is not a fear thing. We need to see how this defense is doing. All the things that we, we like, the, the effort, the tackling, mm -hmm. the aggressiveness, the physicalness, we need to see it against a Michigan type of team. And, and you know, who knows? I mean, Michigan could come out and run for 300 yards, right? They could. But I don't know. I, I like what I'm seeing defensively here, and I, I really think they're developing something that uh, can defend against a lot of different styles of offense. So that seven-on-seven seven, uh, in the box one there, that was one to kind of focus on that. They wanted to run right up the middle and have numbers, and and uh, we still got to them. Yeah. I mean, I think to kind of wrap this up, um, mm -hmm. I, I think the key to some of that defense, because I, I, I think that's it's going to be a great test to see them against Michigan or ultimately – um, where, you know, I mean, a formerly Wisconsin team that would want to run the ball against <laughs> us or Iowa with it, right? But um, it, it, it's also part of how well this offense can evolve to be complementary to that defense, right? Because I think if we can just simply hold on to the ball enough and, and get 21 points on the board, we can win some Big Ten games this year with this defense. But if we yeah. hang them out to drive with too many three and outs and – um, you know, turn the ball over and giving the opponent short fields, et cetera, it may yep. not look the same, right? So that's going to be the, the critical thing is complimentary football. And, and you know, that, that race to six is still on. I'm, I'm even seeing uh, Iowa fans, though, like on Twitter, after today, those rushing stats, right, got put out showing uh, Nebraska is like the top 10 in, in rushing defense, right? And even Iowa fans on Twitter are like, hey, like Iowa fans, Hawkeye fans, if you're worried about Black Friday – this is the stat you need to be worried about the most because this is, you know, that's their game, right? So yeah. it's like we've got other teams noticing, right? Our our own opponents. Yeah, a long ways to go until Black Friday. Yeah. We, yeah. we do, but we're going to be not losing. I just think then, so, I think Dave's you know? point, though, Dave's point about the, the turnovers, it's so critical. I mean, I, I people need to understand how close Northern Illinois could have been to being a much different game. You turn the ball mm -hmm. over two or three times. Or when we did turn it over at the five-yard line, the fact that we held them to a field goal instead of them just scoring a touchdown and making it 7-7. Seven to seven. If if Fedoni doesn't make that amazing third-down catch right on the sideline when it's 14-3, to three, there's so many moments in that game where we've seen past games that 
all it took is one or two things and it could have flipped on us. You have one bad special teams play and all of a sudden it's 14 to 10 or it's 14, 14. And instead this defense holds them to three and the offense doesn't have any more turnovers. And then the defense just goes on to dominate that. That's a clean game. That's a big 10 West game to Dave's point there. That's a type of game. That's going to win a lot of games moving forward over the next nine. And I'm not eliminating anybody Michigan included from that list, but you've got to play that style of game. Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, good stuff. Um, I think I'm, I'm ready to watch us take on Law Tech this Saturday afternoon. Yep. Um, do we want to talk a little uh, college football in general with uh, BetCast? Go for it. Let's do it with a little. The BetCast Picks of the Week. The BetCast Picks of the Week. Looping. I got to take it off the loop. Hockey, that, I don't know what, what's with what, what this looping thing, huh? Ah, that's on, that's on me. I had, to, I had to loop the, the plays, and then by looping the plays, it looped everything else that was uh, – Well, I always say like to repeat your point to make sure it comes across, and especially in radio, Dave, you should know that. Podcasting. So. To make sure that well, everyone Dave, knows our transition. Dave, I'm going to do it one more time so we have a good, I'm clean break. The BetCast Picks of the Week. Boom! All right, guys. We have a great slate of games. It's awfully early in the week to get any uh, get too definitive in our, um, our our picks of the week. But let's just talk about some of the one of the best weeks uh, you're going to get all year, I think. Um, and right off the bat on Saturday morning, uh, Florida State taking on Clemson in Death Valley. Clemson not ranked, even though I think they've actually played a relatively well after their loss to Duke. In reality. Um, if they didn't turn the ball over inside the 10-yard line, they probably are undefeated in the top, uh, you know, five team or so. So um, Florida State favored by two here. Uh, it's going up to two and a half. I'm already seeing that. I might grab that before it gets to three. Uh, any thoughts on Florida State, guys? Hey, it'll be curious to see. I mean, Florida State got a pretty big scare, you know, this last week against uh, Boston Absolutely. College. If they hadn't, you know, had what, but approximately 87 penalties in that game, I mean, that – Boston College could have easily won that game with with what they had. So, yeah, this would be a great test for Clemson to see are they able to work themselves back into winning the ACC, uh, or is this kind of the start of the the end of the Dabo Swinney era? There, I think this would be the game that probably determines how the rest of this year goes for them. Because, yeah, like you said, Dave, they've they cleaned up those last two games, but they haven't played anybody in these last two weeks. It was what Charleston Southern, and then last week against uh, FAU, where unfortunately Casey Thompson. You know, Torres ACL is out for the season, so so no good news there. But uh, now this will be a fascinating. When was the last time Clemson was in? It was a home underdog. I wonder when that would have been. Oh, geez, been at least a decade, I guess, or more. Right? You would think. I, I would know. Yeah, I couldn't even think of the last time it would be. So, yeah. Uh, great comment here, Levi uh, asked, "Did anyone see the South Alabama destroy Okie State last week, thirty-three to seven? Um, just, just a crazy." game there. I, I cannot understand how Oklahoma State, who's using three quarterbacks right now, Honky. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you say, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Well, they've got three right now, <laughs> and one of them isn't Dane Flores yet, uh, our, our Nebraska right. guy who might actually be their best option. So, um, that's well, going to be Boomer. That's got to be the ugliest game of the week is Oklahoma State playing. The over-under is 36 and a half on that game, and the spread is actually Iowa State 
is favored by three or three and a half right now. And that's crazy mm. because Iowa State can't score more than three points a game. So I, I, I mean, I guess take the under and, and lost take, Ohio. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and take the under and take uh, you know Oklahoma State to cover. I I I don't know. Like it's that, yeah, that game I, is ridiculous. I yeah, yeah. I don't know either on that one because I I don't really understand what Oklahoma State's doing. I mean that just I I don't get that. You know, we've seen Alabama even struggle. You know, trying to rotate quarterbacks in and out. I don't know why Oklahoma State thinks they can get away with that. And they were just. The offense was just weird in that game for for the Cowboys. It just seemed so lackadaisical. They didn't have a whole lot of urgency, and they just I I, I don't get yeah. them at all. So I wouldn't trust them with anything this season. Kansas yep. State also was playing multiple quarterbacks. They'd have a wildcat guy go in there when they wanted to run it, and then they had their their normal quarterback who was mobile enough too. But they were going through it. Since I I mentioned K State, uh, Vegas Jer here has K State negative six and a half with UCF. So. It's, so this is the uh, the Big 12 debut week, right? So all the new Big mm. 12 teams have their first conference game. So this is UCF's first Big 12 game versus K-State. Um, I think Vegas Jerry here is, is taking the Wildcats to bounce back. They had a heartbreaking loss there against Missouri. That was a really good game back oh, and forth. What a kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and an yeah. amazing 61-yard field goal to win the game for M- Mizzou. That kid just secured um, himself a uh, NFL job, if anything, right? Most, so. most mm-hmm. likely. Um uh, we were talking about Alabama there for a second. Alabama, Ole Miss, Ole Miss going into Tuscaloosa. Alabama only favored by a touchdown. Um, <laughs> let me see if I can run off a few they more of these. They here. announced the starter for Alabama today. I, I going can't back to keep up. Are they? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's no brainer, pretty much. I mean, is that Boomer's background where there's like a Xerox machine going off left and right? I, I don't know. I'm not printing anything at the moment, but I can double check. Yeah, keep I hearing think, this like thing, I think it's Boomer's. It's probably still at the insurance agency or something like that, <laughs> doing work today. So, yeah. always working, man. Yeah. Um, also, okay, so running some files. Okay, focus, guys. Focus, <laughs> Robert. Focus. Uh. All right, UCLA versus Utah in Salt Lake. Utah's favored by four and a half. Uh, you've got uh, Colorado, a, an amazing survival game there against Colorado oh, State. It's heartbroken for producer Skip and all the Rams fans. Um, they're up 28-17. Honestly, should have been up by more than that. And um, just just a stunning stunning way to lose it. And, yes, I think they probably should, should I jinxed them. I'm sorry. I I'll blame it on you, Rob. Uh, but now they go to Eugene, and Oregon is at least a three-touchdown favorite already. Um, so that's going to be an interesting. And they don't have Hunter. They do not have Hunter. That's correct. Um, one of the best games of the week is actually the the two remaining Pac-12 teams, Oregon State going to Pullman to take on Wazoo. Oregon State favored by three. Both of these teams ranked. I think there's eight Pac-12 teams ranked right now, Boomer. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, this for this makes a no that, sense, right? Yeah, no one wanted anything to do with that conference, and they're all good. So I guess you're going to go out. You know, yeah, go out I think Unlike the Big Ten West, who's decided we're going to just completely <laughs> no, we're not. crap the bed on the way out before we get into this division. So, yeah, we're going to – Speaking of the totally Big Ten West. The, the Big Ten West. So. Iowa somehow is still ranked uh, 24th, goes to Happy Valley to p- take on Penn State. Penn State favored by over two touchdowns. Yeah, that'll be interesting after the you know late cover they had last week against uh, Western Michigan. Try to yeah. you know, boost you know Brian Ferentz's chances of getting retained, going for that touchdown with 
about 30 seconds left already up on a team. I got that sneaky little cover that way. So a little better about that one, but that's all right. I am uh, too. I am too. And, you know, that's kind of a big game really for the West because if Iowa could somehow pull this off, you know, they've got a good game on a lot of people in you know the conference. Or no way if you want to think of it as two. Nebraska still in the West, if they Iowa are, loses yeah. that game, yeah. um, we, we, you know, we want to keep on – uh, Ohio State uh, goes to South Bend and is a road favorite against the Fighting Irish. Uh, just three, but um, that should be a great game. And I think Notre Dame is going to give them all that they want to handle. Um, all right. Any other games out there, guys, that you're looking at? This is a, quite the slate. I'm a, I'm kind of going on some of the early games this week with, um, you know, I'm doing like, I've been kind of have this strategy as far as like how I'm doing my betting. Right. And like, I'm, I'm doing a, a kind of like, you're not following just your gut Rob. No, I'm not actually. Um, I've been picking basically on Thursday night and Friday night. I'll take, you know, three teams between the two nights. Obviously there's only one game on Thursday taking three teams. And then I just pick them to do, um, like I'll do a three team parlay, but I'll also do the individual bets. And then I'll also do the full round Robin on there as well, just for fun, uh, kind of see how that goes on Friday night. And then that'll determine how I start doing my morning, my morning bets on uh, Saturday morning games. And then well, let's talk about Saturday a couple evening. of the Friday games. Then, well, Rob. the Purdue um, and Wisconsin's an interesting game. Um, Purdue is supposed to be completely terrible this year. And, and, you know, that's what everyone at least was saying, but it, it should be interesting because I'm not that impressed with Wisconsin right now. And uh, I think Wisconsin wins, but I, what are they like a two touchdown favorite right now? Is that, Oh no, no it's only minus six. six. It's only, it's where's only, it, uh, where's it at? Where's the game at? It's in, in, West, it's Lafayette. in West Lafayette. So uh, that's so the, altitude night, play a role night ga- yeah. <laughs> the night games in, in West Lafayette have proven to be uh difficult for, for teams. Yeah. 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 The, so Wisconsin uh did not cover last week versus Georgia Southern. They were actually down, came back, won by I think 20, I believe, and the line was 20 and a half or 21. That's right. Um, I also picked them to win, but you know, I, they did cover though. And then um yeah, we talked about that game, Rob. And we actually yeah, we did. told everyone to take that. Uh Air Force is the other game I've got circled that on too. Friday night, Rob. That too, Air that Force, too San Jose State looked good against USC for a while, right? I mean, that'll be an interesting game. I, I, it's in I San Jose. The Lions moved to three and a half. It's not nearly as attractive as the two that it opened up as, but no. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, well, it should be an interesting one for sure. I actually, um, that was the one that I stayed away from. Um, I think, or well, that's one of the games I stayed away from. I think I took Boise State over San Diego State. At um, I just took the money line on that one because the six and a half kind of scared me a little bit. Um, and then the other, uh, I took, uh, I think I took, actually took Wisconsin, um, to cover with the six. Yeah. With the six. And then, um, I also took coastal Carolina to, to, uh, on money line on that one. Cause that one seemed a little weird, but they're not okay. a terrible team. They're fun. To, right. They're fun to watch. I, I like, I'll, I'll throw Carolina. a few others out and we'll close this out. Um, uh, Auburn plus seven and a half versus a and I know that's in College Station, but I'm not impressed with A&M. Oklahoma, there's no these Big 12 debuts um, at Cincinnati. Uh, Nippert Stadium will be crazy, I'm sure, and all 34,000 people there. But Oklahoma just favored by 14 and a half. Um, I, I think they could do that. Um, BYU, I wonder if Vegas Jair is, is still listening. He, he uh, suggested to, to take BYU versus Arkansas last week. I, I trailed him on that, and 
sure enough, they actually won outright versus Arkansas. Yep. Actually, he um, won me. He won me my biggest chunk of change last week. I, I took Vegas Jair's advice. I actually put about like four units on it for me, as as you like to refer to it, Dave, of what I normally uh-huh. bet on a game. I did it like four times, and I said Jair's going to win. And Jair's actually what got me back over even. Um, for, on the weekend and, and put me well, way You ahead. win some and you lose some. And I, I won that cool. one. Let me tell you, that was a good one to I win. So believe that Vegas Jr. also thought that Michigan State would, would cover the 16 and a half versus uh, was, uh, Washington, which uh, did I didn't, I didn't even. Well, they did for like about that. five minutes or so. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, BYU plus nine versus KU is an, uh, an attractive number to me. And then Washington actually uh, is um, minus 21. Um, at home versus Cal. Right now, the Huskies are rolling and look like a top five team. Um, keep them while they're hot. So, and they're, are they at Cal on that game? Nope, that's at Washington. It's at Washington. Okay. I was going to say, because Cal, Cal has looked pretty good at home so far this season. I've watched a couple of their games. They were kind of a team that I followed when I lived in the Bay Area. And that, you know, their home crowd is not always the greatest, but when they're good and Aaron There's Rodgers, no one there, Rob. Get well, hey, when Aaron Rodgers. Literally no there. one is there. I don't even <laughs> yeah. make it up. There's like, I mean, it's an empty stadium. It is. They don't even empty. know they're playing. There's more people up on Tightwad Hill where you can watch the game for free than there are in the stadium. That's right. I think. Yeah. All right. Boomer, do you have anything? else you want to add trying to be positive dave no i think he did well so i think it's a good way to end it there with the all right all right well rob why don't you get us out with uh, your first uh hold on like i gotta get the bumper going there it is (laughs) your first parting shot Broadcast well, Rob. My first away. parting shot. I would just like to say that I am looking forward to a fun weekend coming up here. And in um, I mean, I'll probably talk about it next week as well. But um, I'm already making my plans to come out to Lincoln for the Michigan game here. Uh, I already got my Airbnb reserved. I already got my buddies. We're, we're going to be making the road trip out from Greeley here. Um, you know, and, and one of them is a Michigan fan. I, I will admit that. But him and I plan this trip out together. We are sitting in the Michigan section. And um you know, we're really excited to come out for the game. He's really excited to hang out with a bunch of Husker fans and talk football in general. He's a really good guy. Um, his name's Brent and he is, you know, he listens to the podcast as a matter of fact. So, you know, I appreciate that about him because he, at least he, he, he likes football. It's not just, you know, Michigan, you know, football. So it'll be fun right. to be tailgating with those guys and coming out and spend some time with the uh, honky hopefully. And, and, you know, doing some fun shit. Stuff. All right, all right, Boomer. What do you got? Well, uh, it's uh, Husker football season's in full swing, but they also announced the uh, Nebraska ball men's Big Ten schedule uh, this week. So Husker basketball is not too far around the corner as well. So we'll be able to start adding that to the Redcast. And in a nice bit of symmetry for the year, we open on the road at Minnesota on December sixth. So it should be uh, hopefully a fun season, and kind of looking forward to that. But uh, what is it, about a month and a half or so till basketball season opens? So. Yeah, that's Just right. around the corner, everybody. It'll be mid-November or so. Uh, all right. And Honky, get us out of here. Uh, I have my sister and brother-in-law coming down. They're going to use my tickets for the Northwestern game, October 21st. And um, and so they were going to bring mom down for the weekend and everything. And found out today from Tyler Kai, and thank you, Rob. I know you were in contact with him. Tyler Kai, uh, the money that uh, we raised with the uh, – for my dad, which is in North stadium. There's some kind of commemorative thing. I don't know what it looks like yet. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, whatever, whatever it is that they got, um, we're going to find out what that is on October 20th. And so we'll have like a little ceremony or something, but Tyler's going to have my take uh, I'll have my mom and I'll have my sister and brother-in-law and, 
And uh, I think Kathy might try to get off work for it too. And we'll have a little ceremony there the day before the game. And I might go to the training table with them on, on that Friday for, uh, for lunch. So that'll be really cool. Thankful to everybody, all the red casters, everyone that contributed to that. We were able to, to, you know, our family donated as well. And we were able to give a nice little chunk to, uh, to the athletic department and in dad's honor and dad's name. So means a lot. Thank you very much. That's awesome, Honk. It's great to hear. And it'll be really cool to see that whenever uh, we uh, visit the stadium. All right, guys. Um, looks like uh, the fans enjoyed the show. I enjoyed it as well, uh, despite Rob sometimes. <laughs> uh, for now, let's call that a Go Big Red cast. Go Big Red. GBR. Heard at Sports Network Production.